This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. So let's, let's, okay, so we get the data, kind of, except we just know it's super complex. I, I wanted <laughs> and, to ask a little bit about okay. what people are required to get this. That's something I'm always interested in. And it's like what the team at Marketing Evolution, what kinds of job functions are there there? So I assume you have like a lot of computer scientists or who are, who are doing all this data stuff. Are there marketing people? Like how would I get a job there? Um, all of these things. I mean, it, everything from building the data partnerships, right? We don't... Um, we rely on on data partnerships to get this data. We rely on the advertisers and and their ownership of their data uh, to get the data. So that's what bringing all that data together requires the the business of of relationships and partnerships. So that's the first thing you you need to do. Do you have like a super project manager for each of your clients who are like being the librarian for these 60 potential different data sources? No, it's more about tech enablement to put a piece of software um, in uh, in the user's hands, um, whether that's one of our account managers that is the you know relationship with the account, or the uh, the marketers themselves, or people within the marketing organization or agency to be able to configure and say, oh, I you know want my setup has these data sources, and then it's just an automatic API connection. I mean, that's what. You know, yeah, when I talk to people, they building. they talk a lot about setting up these data pipes become like a huge part of the process. Yes, uh, connecting the pipes is probably an easier thing. You do that once for a particular type of data, you're you're good to go. The sophisticated part is turning that data in, into um, normalizing it uh, against a, a, a schema that's then appropriate for the use case. The use case being this marketing impact measurement and and optimization thing that we're aiming to do. And that's a non-trivial, you know, as we call it, ETL, cleaning and prep exercise. So one thing I did want you to talk a little bit about, which is what we were talking about when we introduced you, is this notion of attribution. So as I am, I'm going to define it very naively, and you can tell me what it really means. But what I understood it to mean is marketers spend a lot of money on different things. So they may spend it on a billboard or on advertising or or on the web or on all these different things, and they don't know what's actually contributing or attributing what marketing spend they can attribute to the purchase. Um, and so a, a lot of times what I think seems to happen is the thing that was closest to the purchase, like the thing they did right before the purchase, is sometimes naively thought to have caused the purchase, when really it was something that happened further back in time. That is what I understood the attribution problem. Is that at all close to right or not? Yeah, definitely uh, in, in the ballpark with that understanding. Um, the attribution challenge is one to say, well, what are the, the relative roles that each of these pieces of media or things beyond the marketer's control, what role did they play in the ultimate decisions that consumers make? And being able to, you know, apportion uh, credit to those those points is really what attribution uh, is about or impact attribution specifically. So how, and how can you use all these different data sources? Can you say it in like a way that someone who doesn't have a PhD in economics can understand? How can you figure out um, what really did cause the purchase? I mean, I imagine it's a combination of a lot of these things, but how, how do you figure out where the money's better spent? Yeah, I mean, uh, starting with the, with the the most technical part, we're going to use uh, a model, a statistical 
model that's uh, you know relying on machine learning to to estimate or train these models, and they're going to come up with you know a mathematical representation of what matters in driving a conversion activity or whatever the key performance indicator that the marketing manager is is managing to um, and and making that connection. So one, bring the data points together. Two, use some sort of uh, science to um, to come up with a mathematical representation that then we can understand, well, what I'm going to put in to the marketplace or, or uh, buy uh, is going to drive some sort of activity, and that mathematical representation formalizes that relationship. And so how do you prove it, though? Is it that more often than not, if somebody did this kind of event, it has resulted in a purchase? Is that the learning that's done? I mean, are you looking for over and over and over again to see yeah. how... Is that basically what the learning is? The, the learning is from tracking people over time, right? So we learn something based on the decisions people are making over time and the exposures they're making over time, but also across people. We learn a lot from uh, the, the, the cross-section of, of shoppers that are in the marketplace, both those that, that do convert or shop with you in some way and those that don't, that you have made an investment and have exposed them to your media. And so you can show that, like, even though it wasn't right there, more often than not, the people who passed by that billboard that was geofenced was more likely to make a purchase than all the other things that happened. And so you would say, you know what, that billboard, you think it wasn't that important, but it really was. And you can do it because you have so much data that will prove this across people and across, within people also. Right. It measures the extent to which that billboard played a role relative to the ad somebody saw or the visit. They made to your website. Yeah, it sounds pretty simple, actually, if you have enough data. I mean, the concept is actually not, I'm sure it's very complicated, but, and the math models and everything else, but it doesn't sound in its simplest form like it does sound something that's doable. And it's what people have wanted to know for years. I mean, the famous quote is, you know, 50% of my advertising works, I just don't know which 50%, but you do know now. It's certainly better than 50%. We're always trying to improve. Um, and that's, you know, if I think about, um, you know, I teach an MBA course at, at NYU Stern in, in um, data-driven decision-making, and I think it's important that, that people think about um, data-driven decision-making the same way they, they think about learning and acting on that sort of stuff. So it's Yeah, not, that's, I, I wanted to ask you, Michael, like, when you get to the end of all of this math and data and engineers and all that. In the end, you're talking to a marketing manager who needs to decide whether she wants to spend more on the billboard and less on YouTube ads or something like that. Right. And then what message to place there? What sort of creative? Oh, you uh, actually also look like it wasn't just that there was a billboard there, but it was a billboard and it said it had a message about our fresh produce. Yeah. What was the specific tactic that was uh, placed um, to, you know, drive business. So are there any very interesting that stories that you can reveal that was surprising to you once you cranked through all this data? Did you find something that really like, wow, I can't believe that's what was doing it? Um, I think it's m- more a surprise about what doesn't do. I mean, we do so much. You, you know, there's so many opportunities to, to get in front of shoppers and potential customers in the marketplace, and the vast majority of what we do has no effect. Oh, that's so, very positive. 
<laughs> right. We always think that everything has some effect, but the fact of the matter is the data testifies that 80% of the stuff we do does Oh, really so work. John Wanamaker was wrong when he said 50% <laughs> of my advertising doesn't work. It's more like 80%? It's, 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 yeah, there's, it's definitely more like that. That, And that's really where the big gains are saying, hey, there's a bunch of stuff that's not working. Let me, let me start to get rid of that. And then you can see you remove those, those things. Or or change that message. Sometimes it's just that the message on that medium is the wrong message. Right. You can see how one message worked versus another. You can either, you know, invest more in that message or take away. I mean, there's a big opportunity to just reduce your costs and maintain your sales here too. So, um, so I have a, a slightly technical question. I apologize, Barbara. Um, one of the problems, I'm going to try to ask it in the simplest way I can, and hopefully you can answer it in the simplest way you can for our listeners so that you and I don't geek out here. Uh, but one of the things I think about a lot when I'm thinking about this kind of data is if you put a billboard that's on the way to Walmart, it could be that people are just going to the Walmart and the billboard, ha- they were already planning to go there and the billboard didn't change their behavior at all. They just went by it because they had to go by it in order to get to the Walmart. So you end up with this problem where the data is suggesting that the billboard looks really useful. But really, it was just that the billboard happened to be in the way of the consumer doing what she wanted to do. Um, do you do you have a solution to that problem? I mean, that's uh, that's really what we're trying to tackle with you know the use of advanced um, econometrics and marketing science is to address a lot of these issues. There's been a a, a bunch of work over the last twenty years or more that has. A, address this in the context of the sort of consumer-based models that we're using. So making use of, of that best science and, and uh, data is, is is part of the story here. So in, yeah. so that's the where the magic really about. happens, because we have this problem that the, sometimes the billboard's yeah. just in the that's way. Endogeneity? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to explain endogeneity without saying it. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to make sure I so got it. So there's a fancy word called endogeneity that describes this problem yeah. that sometimes... Um, people get exposed to ads and those uh, people who are more likely to buy something anyway get exposed to ads. So you you need to, like one comment I want to make is sometimes you just need to admit that you you can't address that, right? This is observational data and sometimes you don't have the experimental variation that would allow you to to tease out that. Yeah, so you have to run an A-B test. In the end, you if, run an A/B test, or you just you acknowledge that limitation and, and maybe you don't incorporate care. that. Into, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe what you, you don't actually care. do. So, one question I want to ask you because you said eighty percent of my advertising doesn't work. So, you know, a broad, broad strokes, you've been doing this for a while. Are there some insights that you can make? You know, like yeah, without revealing any secrets, can yeah, you tell us which channels we yeah. should be turning off? <laughs> no, but do you do you have? You've been looking at this for a long time. You must have some thoughts over all of this as to what does work better than other things? I do. Things are changing so rapidly, though. So there's always a new surprise and, and, and people are changing. Um, the, you know, one example is a message or creative that worked in the market this week just doesn't work next week. And that wasn't the way we thought about managing our messages and creatives before. And it wasn't the way people responded Either it's just that there's so much media and messages that people uh, are subject to that keeping it fresh uh, seems to be the 
um, the prevailing recipe of the day. Uh, you need to stand out in a, in a very uh, noisy um, marketplace, and um, being nimble in that respect is, is something that is becoming more and more um, important. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny that you say that. We have a colleague here, Lynn Lotus, who did all-time advertising a really, really long time ago, before all this big data. He was an MIT guy. So he's very sophisticated for the time, but nothing like what you're talking about now. And I remember, the one thing I remember from his presentation is he was saying, in advertising, quote-unquote, news is what matters. You know, it's mm. got to be news. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing, only now what's news, what's innovation, what's, what's spurring people on changes so so quickly that uh, you have to be ever ready to come up with something to entice people. That's what it sounds like, or else people just don't pay any attention to it, I guess. Or it doesn't affect influence behavior anymore. That That's right. And, you know, just the way we consume media is much different with the types of Yeah, it's, do people still on. watch TV? Uh, some people do. A lot of people <laughs> don't. <laughs> Is that, like, how many people are no longer watching regular TV? You mean on the TV set when it's supposed to be on? <laughs> yeah, like a <laughs> linear television, as they call it. But, yeah, on the TV set at at a scheduled time. Yeah, I mean, it's a generational thing. It shouldn't be surprising that, you know, by and large, we see younger generations doing less of that sitting down at prime time and watching television. Uh, or if they do, they're watching something Sports. that isn't airing at that time. Um, so you do have some of the traditional behavior going on in, in different uh, um, age groups, but uh, that's that's shifting, and there's you know so generational regularities there. More important than ever that we look at the data to figure out which messages and which channels are working, so that we can focus our advertising efforts in the place that it, it works. Because just buying buying an ad on a, the most popular television show isn't going to do it anymore. Right. And I think that's a story about orienting towards your consumers rather than the media. Um, right. If you, it, it's a different way to think about managing your investment, but it's it, because of the data, because the technologies allow us to meet our customers where they are, um, it, it means a different mindset for managing your investment and deploying your media at the right time, right place. So as a marketer, I'm transitioning from the idea of um, I buy ads uh, to I create interesting user experiences that draw my customers in. Right. And I invest in audiences or person profiles or a bunch of different ones to achieve my goals. Well, that sounds pretty nice place to wrap up. Thank you, Michael Cohn, for coming on the show tonight. Thanks so much. And you can find out more about Michael by going to marketingevolution.com. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 